0: unbillable hour community table where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to christopher t anderson lawyer and law firm management consultant new questions every episode and none of it scripted the real conversations happen here our first question comes from a lawyer who wants to stop outsourcing his firm's bookkeeping
1: So what I want to do is I want to bring all our financials in-house. So we're outsourcing our bookkeeping. I do have a building manager and I want to start bringing everything in-house. We have an external CFO still, fractional CFO through HTM, but really want to look at what, what we would need for our firm as we move forward into 2023 and kind of just get your perspective on, one, if it makes sense to do this. And number two, if it does make sense, what is it? what do you see it being? And I don't know if that okay. you see a internal CFO, a controller what at what level do you bring something like that in? I'm not happy about how things are operating being outsourced, but I also want to make sure I protect the firm. I protect me and our my family from a finance i I know one of my colleagues had their billing person embezzle over two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars so I'm cognizant of that as well, and so I'm kind of, I, I, I'm not talking about today or tomorrow, I'm talking about like planning for business plan for 2023. If it doesn't make sense for me to do that, or if it does, what does it look like?
2: Okay. It's not an all or nothing proposition, first of all. And I think it's really important to to adjust the controls and the team to the scale, both in dollars, but also in number of transactions. If I am recalling your business well, Jason, your average transaction number is fairly high. case value is about thirty five thousand. Yeah. So your number of transaction is not tremendous that you're dealing with as far as revenue transactions are concerned, or probably expense transactions. What's the size of your team? Five attorneys, total team, fifteen employees? okay. so I mean, to the way the way I think about this is right that First of all, there's three levels of financial control people, right? You've got your bookkeeper level, you've got a controller level, and you've got your CFO level. And at your size business, it doesn't make sense to have you know three FTEs one in each of those roles. Interestingly, like one of the harder ones to fill with quality people is the lowest one. Like good quality bookkeepers who don't screw stuff up are actually relatively hard to find. The controller level, I find, is the easiest to find, and then the CFO is sort of in the middle. What I would think that you need at this stage is like, so If when you talk about bringing it all in-house, you probably need a full-time controller and a part-time bookkeeper that the controller runs, and you need strong financial controls. The CFO role is fractional and doesn't need to be in-house yet at that size. You just don't have enough for a CFO to do. I, you know you want a good because con- a good controller can fill some of those roles. There'll be some that are missing. You won't get the risk management part of a CFO. You won't get the strategic tax planning part of a CFO with a controller. But I think you can maintain that outside the business. Um or you can possibly find if you can find someone who'll do do it as a fractional for you. Like you might need a you know you could might keep a quarter or a twenty percent CFO busy, but that's about it um, but but a good controller should be able to cover for you for right now. the real important thing and you know for all of us that are afraid of the embezzlement thing is like just the financial controls it's not so hard to put the financial controls in place that make that kind of thing impossible or next to impossible. The two things to keep in mind one are the triangle of fraud and always just always keep that in your top of mind so that you're never Taken by surprise by it. Can you remind um, me
1: what that is? I've, I've heard it before. I just said,
2: yeah, <laughs> putting me on the spot too. Uh, <laughs> the triangle of fraud involves one an unshareable need. Right, so somebody in your team has an unshareable need that would cause them to do something they wouldn't normally do: gambling debt, drug problem, family member in trouble. You know, something bad happens, but they can't talk about it. Two is opportunity. There's something in your business that allows the fraud to happen. Um, and this is the one we can control the most. So the the, the unshareable need we can sort of control by making sure that people know that they can come to you in a conf- you know, if they, anything bad happens, like they can come to you in a confidential way. But the truth is that they might not believe you and it's really hard to instill that level of trust among your whole team. You know, you can target certainly the uh, the the people who have um, the most access, right? To make sure that they're really clean on that, but it, it, that that that's harder. And the, what's easier is controlling the opportunity. The other, the third leg of the triangle of fraud is the rationalization, and this one is a, this one is is pernicious, right? So this the 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 third triangle of fraud is what people can. They will justify or rationalize their action in one of two ways. One, I'm not stealing. I'm going to take it out for a month and I'm putting it back. Nobody will notice. No harm, no foul. It won't be missed. And so I'm not doing anything wrong. The other, the other side of that is the rationalization of he's a rich man. <laughs> he doesn't need it. I do. <laughs> F- him. F- the man. I worked my ass off for him and I deserve this. Either one satisfies the rationalization leg of the triangle. Okay. The one you have the most control over is opportunity, right? And that because you can kill that one. So for instance, my controller does not have a credit card. My controller is not allowed to make deposits. Got it. Right. So my controller does reconcile. so And you can flip these around. right? So if you let your controller have deposit-making authority, then he can't reconcile or she can't reconcile. So my controller does reconciliations, but my controller cannot spend, does not have check signing, does not have credit cards, does not have any ability to spend, and he doesn't have any ability to make deposits. So you know, what is my gap? There's always a gap. My gap is he could redirect incoming money. That would be really hard because the other mechanisms would kick in. The client would know that their bill hasn't been paid because the reconciliation would fail. So that's how I keep those separations. You can divide them up any way you want. You just can't, you can never let deposits and reconciliation go together. You can never let spend and reconciliation go together. Okay. So anyway, those are some rules for controller, but as far as bringing it all in house, like I, I think and I, I'm sorry, I think I'm dancing around it a little bit, but I think your question just sort of, your question presumes unnecessary things. I think you can bring everything you need in-house, but you probably don't want to bring the CFO level in-house because you the, the quality CFO you will get for what your business's recommended spend at that role, like you'd get a shitty CFO in-house. And you may as well not have one. Your controller can serve as your shitty CFO. So you're better off still having an outsourced CFO. You know, like the magic number for an in-house CFO? That was my next question. Full-time? Five to seven million? Okay, because we're at a run rate right now of five million. Okay. So you're there. You're getting there. But your, your transaction number, what's your profit percentage? We're probably
1: at about 22,
2: 23%. Yeah. So you probably want to lean more towards that seven Million dollar number, right? You're 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 a few million dollars away, but not like you're close, right? So that's why you're feeling the need. I just, you know, do you want right now? Do you have a line item for a two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars CFO? Right now,
1: no. But I, right. that's why I want to know what I need to know in three
2: six months so I can start planning for it. That's kind of I'm trying to yeah. get in the curve. And so, so yeah. If you, I mean, so I would think like, when do you think you'll cross that seven to eight million dollar line?
1: I'm hoping we'll do $7 million this year, but that, there's a lot of things that have to happen. We'll be
2: at a $10 million run rate by the end of this year, for sure. By December? Yeah, absolutely. Then yeah. you should start recruiting for a CFO in September. Okay. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at Staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I.cc, and get $500 off with code Happy24. Simplify with Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need accessible anywhere. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you about billable items so there's no time tracking. And you don't need QuickBooks. Trust and general accounting, invoicing and payments, all built in. Because everything is integrated, Cosmolex's advanced reporting makes it simple to know your numbers and make smarter decisions. Get a free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com.
0: For our next question, a lawyer is struggling to find successful job applicants through the use of online job boards.
3: Okay, so here's my struggle. For about the last six weeks, I've had an ad out for a new lawyer because Jenny, my senior associate, left. You know, probably the first three weeks, we had a a minimum amount of pay being about $75,000. So I moved that up to $100,000 as the base pay. Still can't get any.
2: First of all, what are you doing?
3: We've got it on LinkedIn. It's through HR partners, so they load it on LinkedIn and some of the, you know.
2: The big job boards. Good.
3: Yes. And we've sent it to some of the law schools, the local law schools, but we're asking for experience, of course, as yeah. a minimum of experience.
2: I've given so. up sending it to law schools. That's been a dry hole for a while for me. It used to be something good, and it just isn't. Um, I just don't think that the lawyers are going there anymore, but I don't, I, you know what, that is complete conjecture on my part, but it is what it is. I haven't verified that, but I, but it is a dry hole. Um, Again, I've used law schools across the country and it just hasn't been working. One of the things I will recommend that you do, if you haven't done, because somebody else on this call was with me when we did this on a, uh, on using a distributed uh, syndicated job hunting board that like pushes it out to a bunch of like using to like, you know, like the one that you're using. And we actually went to the platforms and ran and just looked for a job. And we were shocked at what we saw. The job was misquoted. There were reviews of the business that were really shitty, but they weren't of the right business. Like they just, they had said, you know, Anderson law firm, But it was the wrong Anderson Law Firm. Right. So like people were coming on Indeed and on Monster Mm -hmm. and on um, Zip and hitting this ad and looking like, oh, shit, I don't want to apply there. And we would never like, just because you're using the syndicator, like you would never have known. There's no reason to know that. It was just like, why is volume so low? Well, you know, maybe that. So if you haven't done that, do that and make sure that the dollars that you're offering are out there and whatnot. Okay. Okay. The other fact of the matter is, is right now, bizarre as it may seem, because like everybody remembers like a year ago when all hiring was really hard, the paraprofessional market has loosened up. There's lots of admin staff. There's lots of paralegals that's loosened up. The attorney hiring market is still tight in the traditional job board search. If you're really looking, you've got a headhunt, like doing doing the equivalent of a Google ad isn't working right? So the the poll marketing isn't working for attorneys. You've got to go find them or get someone that will. And they're hard to find because one, let's face it, our market's too small to really attract good recruiters. And so you got to find little recruiters that are actually doing a good job. And most of them aren't. Like, And by a good job, I mean finding people who have jobs and weren't thinking of moving, or at least not out loud, right? right? And- that, but who might not be happy, you know, you're in your line of business. Of course, you've got sort of the built-in, I don't know how much you're using this, but you've got the built-in pool of people in public defense and, and, and DA's offices.
3: The hard part there is the people who just sat for two years and got paid. It doesn't look very good to go out into the, into the cold cruel world where you could, you know, another COVID role could keep them home for another six months without having to work.
2: Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but they also like, I think people are seeing the green shoots, right? They're saying like, let's, let's get out there. But you're right. I mean, people are scared to move right now. So you got to go get them and you got to show them why they want to. So, and so my last like point to you, I think on this is recruiting is marketing. And we have to follow all the rules of marketing. We have to follow the five commandments of marketing. We have to determine what we, like what the role is worth, so we can say what the ROI is on our spend, and we have to remember the most important rule, which is people don't buy facts, people buy emotion. So is your marketing copy replete? because the job boards don't like you to do it, but is it replete with why with your mission? If it's not, you know if it's like when you go to some of these And I I don't know anything about the recruiter you're using, so I'm not speaking about them. They will have bots write your copy or give you preferred copy that they say works, and they're full of shit.
3: Right. We didn't do that. We've got our copy, and I think I have had a little feedback that it it sounds like it's a really great place to work, but you're going to work really hard. (laughs) <laughs> so i think it's got to be a little more purpose-driven enough of finding that person who does want to fight who really does want to fight and wants the ability to fight you know without being shut down we're still fighting the case because it's the right thing to do not necessarily because we need to finish it and move it
2: if that's your copy <laughs> i need to work with you on it
3: i know that's not my copy that's okay it, but, but it is more of the situation if we want people to feel like they can come in and really change change people's lives by fighting so here's uh, the
2: other thing so criminal attorney atlanta what what city are you actually advertising in
3: probably marietta but yeah i've heard the prosecutors are making like over a hundred thousand dollars a year which i'm surprised
2: yeah you're also invisible there there. there. we go there we go so you're not too bad you're yeah it says a hundred so that's that update's been made yeah, there's not nearly enough mission here. Okay. I, I love that you want to get straight to the point. Everybody's fast-paced and growing. You know, big yawn. This doesn't even talk about what you're about. Why, why do you do this? I mean, I, I know your practice. You're a passionate criminal defense lawyer. You have a mission, and it's not there. That ad wouldn't piss anybody off or send anybody away. That's right. how I know it doesn't work. Okay. But it is like, if you don't think about it as marketing, you're not thinking about it, right? And that's relevant for every single person that's listening to this. Just like the two jobs of marketing are one, to attract your ideal client. Number two is always to send everybody else the hell away. Your recruiting ads should do the same thing. If it's not sending people away, it's a bad ad. LawClerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, LawClerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm, and that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable.
0: Our last question involves a lawyer seeking help preparing the internal messaging to her team after firing an employee.
3: Okay, so I am firing my managing attorney on Tuesday. Yay me. So I... Need some scripting help with the, um, the messaging to the remainder of my team after I do that.
2: Ding dong, the witch is dead. Does that work?
3: <laughs> Probably not.
2: What is the reason in your mind why this move needs to be made? There's a whole lot of reasons.
3: He, he's a drama queen. He doesn't he hold people accountable because he has a need to be liked the ultimate reason that was the, the nail in the coffin as to why it's being done Tuesday is because he showed a sexually explicit video to another employee. There's so many reasons as to why he's getting fired.
2: Why are you waiting?
3: Because I'm on vacation <laughs> and I thought it would be irresponsible for me to fire him and then leave for a week.
2: Okay. So first of all, I believe so as far as scripting is concerned that in these situations, less is more. I don't think from your, what you're explaining that your team will see this as a arbitrary, like the reason you want to explain it so the team doesn't get afraid that you're like starting to lop heads for reasons that have nothing to do with performance, but have to do with like your ability to pay. Right. You don't want people to be getting afraid. Right. Um, From what you've just explained, it sounds to me like nobody's going to be surprised Right. If this person is a drama queen, if this person is showing sexually explicit pictures, like it's not the first time, it may be the first time you heard about it. There's plenty of reasons why that everybody knows why this person needs to go. And I to me, the scripting, if I were in your shoes and I was making this change, my scripting would be very simple. I would get everybody together. This is this is a supervising person, this is a a leadership person in the in the team. I would just say. You know, guys, from time to time, uh, it becomes apparent that a member of the team does not exhibit the core values that I stand behind and that we all stand for. And I make the decision to make a change. I've made that decision regarding John. I don't know his name. And so today or yesterday or whenever you're talking to them, Friday was John's last day. I will appreciate, I certainly appreciate that. Most of you understand that that's still a difficult decision um, to let, you know, we're a small family and it's difficult to let anybody go, but the path forward is to stand strong in what we believe. And so, you know, we're going to be looking to fill this role. And, uh, you know, if anybody feels strongly or has any strong reaction to this, I invite you to set some time on my calendar. I'll be glad to speak with you one-on-one. We're not going to have a group discussion About this, because everybody has different feelings and different interactions with this individual, and you know this can easily turn into gossip or to you know using your word in a non-impeccable way. And I don't want to foment that. But if you've got questions, concerns, or whatever, I'll be more than happy to hear them. I'll just hear them one on one. That's what I would say. Okay, okay. because you don't want this to turn into a bitch session. And by the way, when you do this, look for and listen for. People who come to you and say, oh, my God, thank goodness. It's been such a shit show with him, but who didn't come to you before. Mm -hmm. Because that's a serious red flag as to those people. Right. Right. How dare people in your organization understand there to be such a problem with the business and yet not have the guts or the integrity to tell you? Because they don't, that means that they don't. They don't care, right? And that, uh, quite honestly, like those people, when they they show up from time to time in my business, they go on high on my watch list. You know, when they say it, I say thank you very much. You know, and but I will ask them, you know, why didn't you come to me earlier? Because the other thing I'm looking for is, is it something about me? Have I oh. done something in the business to make people not want to come forward with that? And that's an opportunity to find that out but I'm also really careful about who those people are and why they didn't and why they wouldn't come forward. Mm-hmm. Does that script help you?
3: It was very helpful.
2: But like, seriously, short and sweet. Details are not your friend here. Okay. Got it. Happy to help more with that. All right. We're at time. Thank so you. You're welcome. Thank you all for, for being here. It's been a great episode of the community round table for the unbillable hour. Uh, We're doing this. This is the only time we're doing it the last Thursday. So this is always going to be Thursdays third Thursday at three. So easy to remember third Thursday at three Eastern time,
0: 12 o'clock Pacific. Take care. Thanks, Christopher. Thank you for listening. This has been the unbillable hour community table on the legal talk network.